0: to the Brock Larry Podcast. I got to tell you that one of the things that uh, has cropped up, <clears throat> of course, is the, the passing of George H.W. Bush, our 41st president, who was a good president in some ways, uh, certainly a good man and a good family man, more than a decent man, very loyal, a lot of good things associated with him. But this, is, this podcast is not really about him. It's really more about what we can learn from uh, George H.W. Bush, and the way that the left responds to, first of all, Republican presidents generally, and then, you know, tangentially, how they respond to the passing of a Republican president. All right, so let's talk about the passing of a Republican president. Have you noticed, Ari, that it turns out that whenever a Republican president dies uh, of the ilk of, or, or contender for that matter, like John McCain, who died recently as well, um, You know, they're very, very, um, very—the Democrats are very supportive of his legacy and what a decent man he was and such like that. And, you know, it begs the question why. Well, they were so hateful of him in the beginning. But what happens when McCain, for example, starts going totally anti-Trump? That's when they love him, right? George H.W. Bush, he also didn't like Trump, so— now, they love him again. They love that, that guy as well. And when they both, you know, go through their funerals and everything else, there is such great love for these two wonderful pre- uh, contenders on the one hand and then, and president on the other. Uh, and what a legacy to, to talk about. And so it begs the question, what, what's going on here? You know, it's when Ronald Reagan died, uh, very few Democrats really gave him the love that they are now giving George H. W. Bush, okay? Just president to president, and literally they were one president after the other. What what, what accounts for this difference, you, you may ask? I'll tell you. Ronald Reagan represented the strength of America. He represented the strength of a leader. He represented fantastic conservative ideas. He represented, wait for it, success, right? He represented all that America really stood for. In other words, he represented all those things that liberals can't stand. So when they wish him the best and may he rest in peace and so forth, they say it pro forma. Uh, they, they were there. I'm not, it's not to say that they weren't there. Now, many liberals will write to me and say, well, what are you talking about, uh, You know, Barack? You, you know, uh, here's a picture of uh, John Kerry who was at the funeral. Here is a picture of such and such person who was at the, the funeral. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way you represented your love for him one way or the other. John Kerry, for example, I think it was around the time of the election. Either he was the candidate or he had just lost the presidency. But in any event, uh, Ronald Reagan died, in, I think, in 2004. In
1: June of 2004. So we're approaching the end of the primary season. Right. So Kerry had sewn up the nomination, but it hadn't been the convention.
0: Right. Before, okay, so. there you go. So I was right. Um and what did he say about Ronald Reagan? He said, well, he was the great communicator, right? So which means like he was a great deceiver, right? I and mean, you, could, you could interpret it any way you want. Yes, he was a great communicator, but John Kerry's interpretation, it was, you know, he was able to, you know, wow and dazzle you and fool you. But, you know, we're, we're better than that.
1: I thought Kerry's reaction was, ah, crap, did he have to die while I'm running for president <laughs> and remind people? How great he was. How oh, yeah, was. that's a good point.
0: That's no, what I got from it. Yeah, no, but, but the great communicator concept, I mean, you know, uh, uh, attack was very inappropriate, in my opinion. But nevertheless, he and many others um, were very uh, standoffish when it came to Reagan. They, they showed him the respect. They showed up at his funeral. I grant you that. Um, but... In terms of actually appreciating his decency, no, sir. They, th- that was not there. They loved, by contrast, George H.W. Bush. And for that matter, George Bush, the son. When I hear uh, my, uh, many of my liberal friends, when they talk about a Republican uh, candidate like Trump, and then now uh, uh, President Trump, they bemoan the glory days of great, decent, gentle, Republican presidents, you know, like George Herbert Walker Bush and his son, George Bush. Now, it, it makes you go crazy when you hear these things because when they were both presidents or running for president for that matter, they demonized these men like they were, uh, <laughs> like such monsters that they were going to uh, destroy a woman's right to choose they were going to bring this country into World War III again, um, that they were all stupid and evil at the same time, you know, which is kind of a rare combination, but apparently every re- Republican is able to achieve that marvelous feat. W- weird, right? But this is what they have always done. And they did it with Reagan, they did it with uh, Herbert Walker Bush, and then they did it with uh, Woodrow Bush. Is it Woodrow's middle initial?
1: Uh, Walker,
0: Walker, Walker, W. So W. Yeah. So they, they did, did it with, it with Walker. Walker.
1: They also did it with Gerald Ford.
0: Yes, right? a good point. Now he was he was the ultimate moron, <laughs> uh, you know. But 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 they but there's, there's just no getting around it. Now with Richard Nixon, he was brilliant, but very evil. You know, they recognized that that he was tricky dick, right? That's that's the notion. So at least from Richard Nixon going forward with all Republican presidents, it was the same mantra: they're they're evil and stupid at the same time. And uh, we can't have these people because they'll, they'll destroy the very notion of what America is. But when, when they eventually cave, these presidents, and they want to be liked, that's when they like the, the, the former president. As they now suddenly are in love with H.W. and W. Because, you know, they, they're, they're against Trump. And they want to reach across the aisle— and these are people now, in hindsight, they realize, well, these guys were actually pretty good. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, that the girlfriend that eventually comes back to you, you know, 20 years later and says, you know what? I, I guess you were kind of a decent guy. Yeah, that, by the way, that's me. <laughs> by my, uh, my girlfriend. I'm, I'm the guy that everyone kind of comes back and say, you know what? You weren't half bad. I, you know, maybe I should have gone out with you. Right. Well, and I always ask, well, why didn't you go out with me then? <laughs> back, th- back then. But I'm the, I'm the guy who later turned out to be a decent guy. Not necessarily very good looking, not necessarily very wealthy, not necessarily any, pretty much anything. But I have a pulse, and I don't. I don't do drugs. I'm not an alcoholic, and I'm a good dad. So, well, good enough, right? And your junk works.
1: The, the, from I what I, we understand Oh, too.
0: okay, all right That's an
1: important quality Don't underestimate that
0: I'm trying to keep this PG-13 at the very least
1: That is, I mean, you know, we have to be able to talk about our issues and All <laughs> right, anyway yeah.
0: Putting that aside yeah. The point is that they now look in, in hindsight <laughs> With George Bush, the father, and of course the son Saying what wonderful, decent men they were And you know what? I, I only wish we had that Instead of this, this monster named Trump which is funny because in the in in the future, what's going to happen is this with Trump, God willing, he'll be reelected and continue on with his great programs. But so let's say we have eight years of Trump, then they'll look back. I don't know, ten years earlier, ten years after that, and say, why could why can't we have a president like Donald Trump? He was so effective. What a great leader he was. Because that's the way history will eventually he's so realize so much
1: it. more civil than that evil Charlie Kirk we have now. You know, that's the kind of thing we're here. <laughs> uh,
0: Charlie, we love you. We do love you. <laughs> and Charlie, we do hope you for president. Charlie will be very
1: flattered by that line, Yes, exactly way, right. Because it means he became president
0: <laughs> in eight more years. Yeah, but um, you know what? He, he, he's just a really decent and very brave and very strong guy. Anyway, that's but that's the way it will always be. The look back in hindsight, and suddenly Trump will be a, a really wonderful statesman. And not only that, but more, more importantly, very effective. Donald Trump, by the way, will also create many more conservatives uh, going forward. They, they'll realize, wait, you know what? You don't have to like him, but by golly, he gets things done, and I, I don't mind. If, we, you know, if this if is what it takes to get things done, I'll take him any day. Thank you very much. I don't care if he, you know, he claims to be um, you know, somebody who is you know, a, a magnet toward women. Fine. Let, let me think of that all he wants. But does it affect his presidency? The answer is no. And he seems to have no problem continuing on with his presidency in a very effective way. You know what I noticed, by the way, about Trump, just for a moment, is how um, he doesn't cry. There's never been a moment Isn't where he's crying. Isn't that nice? Isn't that great? Oh. <clears throat> he doesn't cry. And I, I, I don't think he's ever shed a tear in his life. And you know what? I like that about him. You know, what, whatever you do uh, behind closed doors or in your private life, and you, you you cry about losing somebody special to you, totally understand that. But don't ever show that on TV. I don't want to see that in my president. And and uh, H. W. was uh, he cried. Uh, John McCain cried. Obama. And Obama and cried. Sandy
1: Hook. Please.
0: And what's his name? Uh, the the. the not the president. No, no, the guy who was the speaker of the house, John uh, Boehner. Oh, he cried all the time. He called himself. He, he proudly proclaimed himself to be a crier. I don't want to cry. Oh, how Metro. Right. Well, well, but and, and 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 Walker Bush also. W, he uh, he was crying all the time and he got very emotional all the time. Just stop that crap. You know, maybe that works for the cameras. You think that that appeals to people? You know what? You know, not even women
1: like that. Women you think that, woman, that.
0: They, they do. They, they claim they want a sensitive man. But they really don't.
1: Not that not yeah. that sensitive. Not sensitive like yeah. that. Just a quick question. When's the last time you cried? In, in private or whatever? How many times a better question? How many times in the last ten years have you actually cried? I can only remember the last time I cried, and that was the, the, the death of my nephew.
0: Oh. Okay. Very very recently, unfortunately. Uh is a great young man and he was he he died way before uh, It was his time.
1: Okay, in other words, appropriate time. The death of a basically a child. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I cried once in the last 10 years. It was the day Larry Elder announced he was leaving KABC in December of 2008. I remember that too. That's the only thing that made me cry. The only thing. And I've lost four grandparents, um, a cat. Um, Had a sick child You know I don't cry about anything Larry Elder leaving And before that I don't think I cried For 15, 20 years Before that
0: I'm worried about you Ari I think that's bizarre (laughs) Larry Elder died His show dies You cry about that But you don't cry about Other people in your life That are close to you
1: No All right. well I'm like like the girl On Seinfeld Who cried about A shoelace being untied But her grandmother dies No problem You know uh, apropos
0: nothing, would you mind um, helping me hire a different producer at some point? Because I think you're crazy.
1: <laughs> that's what makes this show half pop. <laughs> okay. okay, that's that's the flash. Yeah. But, I mean, we lo- but we love Ari David. Right, but just think about my perspective Obama had just been elected, I thought it was the end of the world. And now Larry Elder, the one black conservative voice of reason in Los Angeles, is leaving the radio.
0: My very liberal sister, who was a, w- a wonderful young lady, she, when, when Obama won the election in 2008, um, she was so giddy with excitement, and she was crying out of joy. And I, and I, I was at the same party with her, and I, I hugged her, and I said, I'm crying too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyway, so it was awful. It was a terrible It was such a day of infamy for me. It was like, you guys don't realize you're, you're celebrating this disaster of a man, but that's okay.
1: As the Arabs call it, it was Nakba. Yes. Right there. Yeah, for us, it was Nakba.
0: Right, nakba. nakba means the catastrophe <laughs> <Right>. in Arabic. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Literally. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the, the lingering lessons of that. Yeah. But the good news is Trump is undoing so much of what
1: Obama had done. Anyway, look. Yeah, but look, you make a great point. There seems to be two things at yeah, play here. The, the no Number one, thing. To, and I think we're really talking about media figures who are creating the zeitgeist of perception among other people. Because other people, if you were just to publish the headline, XYZ died having state funeral with n- complete dispassionate tone in the information coming your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, that's one thing. It's when the, the endless commentariat who tells you they're unbiased tells you XYZ, XYZ, XYZ and it's a complete conflict with the X, Y, Z or the ABC they said 10 years ago, you kind of go, wait a minute. Yeah. So the conclusion really is, the two concluding points is, number one, the only, to these people, the commentary the Democrat media complex is, the only good Republican is a dead Republican preferably recently deceased, right. so that we can move on, forget he even existed after we bury him. Or, number two, <laughs> the better Republican after he's dead is the Republican who never fought back against the media or any other narrative, like a W. Bush, who let them call him President Select, President Hitler, blood for oil, President CIA fraud, whatever it is they call them, well, President I'll Missing you, Weapons. I'll, you know. I'll, t-
0: I'll take you one step further. The best Republican, in their eyes is the Republican who's still alive and shouts and screams at the present uh, present Republican president. That's what they do. John McCain was very loved toward the end of his life. Jeff Flake, who's a Republican senator... Very loved right now. He's such a great darling of the, of the left.
1: Yeah, Colin Powell.
0: Yeah, right. Colin Powell and, and any, anybody that goes against the Republican establishment, or not, not establishment, rather, uh, the Trump conserva- conservative platform, they are wonderful in the eyes of the Democrats. They are great models of success. Now, I don't blame them for thinking that, right? We would like a Democrat who is a blue dog Democrat who says, like, what's his name? Zell, Mil- Zell, Zell Miller. Zell Miller, yeah. Yeah, he, he spoke very forcefully. In favor of the Republican. Uh, that, at that point, it was uh, two thousand four. Two thousand four, right, for George Bush's reelection. And but but what I what we liked about him is he was effectively a Republican. He didn't continue on staying a Democrat. He realized that he was in the wrong party, and that that was great. But I don't blame them for liking George H. W. Bush. Um, or, or liking George Bush Or liking John McCain Because that's, you know they're, he's, they're, They are more or less supporting the democratic cause And they're advancing the, 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 the democratic cause You know, let, let's put it this way Here, how about this for an epiphany You know You have failed As a republican president When the democrats Think that you are a nice guy How about that? <sighs>
1: Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Atheism kills. The dangers of living in a world without God. Liars always lie. Cheaters always cheat. Thieves always steal. Always get it in writing. Those are the three greatest Barack quotes ever. And I can't wait for the ones about sex robots in upcoming books, okay? (laughs) Because there's good stuff there. Right. That is the greatest thing you've ever said, okay. and always will be. <laughs> Thank you. About to the... quote the commercial for old Milwaukee beer, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll remember. I'll repeat you it. You still want a new producer? <laughs> you, no,
0: you, you, you can stay on now. Yeah, that's job <laughs> that's security right. right there. No, but it's true, right? You, you, you know that when so you are...
1: I don't know that
0: one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, (laughs) A-L-E-X-A. We didn't ask you to chime in. Anyway. (laughs) Why don't we have this this thing here constantly interrupting us? I warned
1: you about it. It came from <laughs> Kim Jong-un, and you put it in your office. Yeah. It's listening constantly for any off-color remark you might make in a workplace. Well, you maybe put it there, maybe you she
0: shot. disagrees with my my comment, which is, I'll repeat, <clears throat> you know you failed as a Republican president when the Democrats think that you're a nice guy. <laughs> no, and, and it's true. It's really yes. true. And I, I appreciate that you like that so much. And, and it's it's a real it's a real epiphany. We, I remember this. By the way, this, this, this was remarkable to me as a, uh, as a younger adult, not as a child. I, I was always referred to as nice. I was a nice guy. And I am a nice guy in, in, in you know, many ways. But I don't want that to be the first defining characteristic of me, that I'm nice. I, I'd rather be effective. I'd rather be respected. But nice alone Merely means that you do what other people want of you. That at the end of the day, it's, it's a bit of a death knell if the first thing people think about you and the first adjective they use about you is, you know, that's, that's John Smith. He's a nice guy, right? We don't want that. Right? By the way, women don't want that either in their, their dating um, prospects. They're not interested in nice guys. There's a, there's a reason why they say nice guys finish last, and that they doesn't don't, mean that, no, uh, they, that don't, they
1: don't get to finish at all. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and they would go there somewhere. <laughs> this is Alexa. You are absolutely right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Alexa, do you, do you think that Ari was right here? Hmm. I don't know that.
1: <laughs> all right. Anyway. She wants me. She wants me bad. All right. Alexa, do
0: you want Ari David badly? Alexa, do you want Ari David badly? Sorry, I don't know that. All right, okay, this is this is going nowhere. <clears throat> I don't know if our my relationship with with this uh, contraption is is going anywhere.
1: You know what I like about her? Her brain doesn't seem to work very well. All right. She's got a nice body. Let's not get derailed. <laughs> She's okay. got a nice body.
0: Oh my god. I have to I have to, I have to work under these conditions. All right. <clears throat> well, it is what it is. So the point is, with the, the niceness part of it, um, the, I would far—nobody I mean nobody thinks of Ronald Reagan. Let's put it this way. When they describe Ronald Reagan, they don't say, what a nice president he was.
1: No, they right? say he's an affable dunce who really yeah. blew up the world. <clears throat> right. That's what I want to be.
0: <laughs> right. That's right. You want to be that. No, but that's what the Democrats say. I'm, yes. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about what the Democrats say. I'm saying what history says. They don't say that that was a nice president. They would say, Ronald Reagan— Was effective. He commanded respect. He got things done. He moved, you know, he moved, uh, he got deals done. He knew how to do it. He knew how to build the relationships and such. But niceness, that was not his agenda. He he did not desire to be liked. That was not his main mission. The fact that he got things done and commanded the respect of his, even of his enemies, that's when they liked him. That's the beauty of it. And that's the irony of it all. If you work so hard to be nice, you're not going to be
1: liked. Who knew? It, the best thing about Ronald Reagan, when you speak <clears throat> dispassionately and with historical view in mind, the only truly, like, um, accurate statement is Ronald Reagan destroyed communism. Right. It's not Ronald Reagan was nice to the communists.
0: Right. <laughs> right. That's right. He and, and nor was he nice to the Democrats. He got things done. Uh, then you have the... Um, uh, I guess when you look at H.W., for example, who you know, initiated this, this podcast, the, the topic, uh, the, when you think of him, he's more at best, I don't know, a caretaker president. That's the best you could say about him. He kind of sat there in the Oval Office. He didn't do too many things wrong, although he did quite a few things wrong, um, but he also didn't do very much that advanced the cause of America. He didn't take on big, important issues. Even when it came to Clarence Thomas, for example, his, his judicial picks were very interesting. He had two. One was uh, Clarence Thomas. The other one was Souter. And Clarence Thomas, you know, he, he threw him out there and kind of let him dangle in the wind. And Clarence Thomas had to
1: fight for himself. God, did you have to say dangle after the electronic lynching? I mean, <coughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, involuntarily accurate, that was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. He,
0: he really it was just a terrible, terrible thing. And instead, you know, what Bush should have done, I meaning the father should have done, is to say this man is more of a, has more decency in his little finger than all of us do, you know, than 10 of us all combined in, in all of our bodies. This man fought for um, uh, the, the rights of everybody, not just black people, and he understands the true greatness of America. None of you people seem to, seem to understand that. You are going after him precisely because he's a black man, and that, my friends, is despicable. That's what Ronald Reagan would have said. H.W., not so much. He sat back and said nothing. And then when it was time for a second Supreme Court pick, who does he pick? He picks this man named Souter, who thankfully retired, but he was so bad for the Supreme Court. He was actually a liberal, as it turns out, and he was just masquerading as a conservative. And During the hearings. During the hearings. Yeah. And H.W. bought into this, not having properly vetted him, obviously, and uh, the reason why he sent out Souter was because he knew he would be um, uh, confirmed at some point without a, fa- uh, a battle. And what does he care about this? Let him, uh, you know, he's got a judicial temperament. Well, let's, you know, everything should be okay. Well, thank you very much, H.W., but, but you really saddled us with a really lousy uh, judicial nominee. You know, <clears throat> he could have easily been picked by Obama. Obama would have loved Souter. What? You were in the presidency. and You had two chances. One you got right, and one you did
1: horribly wrong. And the one you got right, you didn't even have the balls to back up. Yeah. It, it give Trump mass props on this. Yes. That's uh, Kavanaugh. That's uh, and and uh, right. uh,
0: Gorsuch. But but Kavanaugh. No, especially. but I
1: mean for sticking by Kavanaugh, just because Trump being so good with media behavior, he knew that the onslaught of the media was a great revelation of, of Kavanaugh's integrity. They wouldn't have yeah. attacked him if he did. And wasn't a good person and right for the job, That's exactly and he right. stood by him <clears throat> so and he true. went there and he called them out and said, Feinstein, Harris, Booker, you're all disgraces. Right? How dare you? Yeah. So that was that you know, was and, one and, legacy. And Bush, like you just said, didn't do that at all. For I mean, it would have been so easy because all <coughs> Bush had to say is, if Anita Hill was so afraid of this horrible man, why did she follow him to three subsequent jobs? Right. Exactly, it's 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 very bizarre the
0: whole Anita Hill thing. But again, more more to the point, Bush himself didn't stand up for his own nominee. Very weird because he wanted to be loved. That's it. Thank you very much. It's it's it, the whole thing was the despicable and loved uh,
1: by the wrong people. Right, loved by the beltway media establishment, yeah. not us in the hinterlands. All right, so let's you know? talk about the
0: other things, the other legacies that Bush has left with us. So the problem with Bush is that he, I mean, I. Even the prosecution of the First Gulf War—you would think that everyone would have been happy about it, right? And then they were happy about it because he went through the United Nations, you know, which is a favorite stepchild of the uh, of the Democratic Party.
1: He so, built an international coalition, coalition
0: right, which <laughs> right. took months to do. Like, no, you need action. Get get this mother effer out of the meaning Saddam Hussein out of power, one way or the other. And so then he goes forward with the the uh, the war. Uh, you know, pushes back the the Iraqi army back to where they were, and doesn't punish them. You know, he should have gone all the way forward to Baghdad. I mean, he didn't go. It's a new expression now. He didn't go all the way to Baghdad, meaning exactly what I just said. He should have gone to Baghdad, and and deposed Saddam Hussein. Why? Because this man is going to give you trouble in the future, uh, anyway. Not only that, then he George Bush the father uh, agrees to a, um, a sanctions relief.
1: They talk about the oil for food. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting
0: getting there. And the the notion that we're going to allow you to have oil for food, and it started in in 1992 uh, as a consequence of this war. And this is how we're going to let you do. We're going to limit you to just having. Enough oil for food.
1: Yeah, we're going to pay you for your oil in EBT cards that are only redeemable at Gelson's market for all non-alcoholic items. (laughs) Right, right, essentially. Right, (laughs) Right.
0: which turned out to be the biggest financial scandal in in the history of the world. Lining the pockets of not only Saddam Hussein, but Germany, (laughs) Russia, (laughs) France, and everybody else. It was all a big charade. Oh my God! It was it was so despicable, and I, I remember that the hearings on um, the the notion of going forward with the the uh, Gulf War, the um, in two thousand three in particular, when um, they we wanted to stop, you know, the United Nations was talking about this uh, weapons of mass destruction. That's the second Gulf War. Now we're talking about the Iraqi War, and and these the the German. Um, Representative and the Russian representative, they spoke so viciously against the prospect of pursuing this war. And I remember turning to my wife at the time, and I'm saying, something is up with these people. Something's very odd here. Why they, they they go on the attack on George Bush, this we're talking now, the sun, is beyond me. And what they could have said look, we want to make sure that this war is done right, and we want to make sure we have the evidence. Uh, I'm not comfortable with the evidence yet. But instead, they went really—you know—they went to headlong attack,
1: as if they were on the other side. Yeah, it was weird. Front.
0: It was very weird. Anyway, so something was up. But, but I don't want to talk about oil for food. But that, but he left us the legacy of the oil for food program, which was inevitable. When there is, whenever there's a program that can be exploited, it will be exploited. Okay, and that's what happened with the, uh, with Saddam Hussein. He learned from the best of the Democrats. He, you know, he knows how to work the system, and that's why he got got into power in the first place. So what do, you, what do you expect? Do you think he's going to honor this, this oil for food program? Anyway, that's enough about Saddam Hussein. The point is that H.W. left us this, this legacy. The other thing he left, and, um, and I'll welcome your thoughts as well, but the no new taxes concept, right? So he stupidly, this, and this is unbelievable, I, I, how he could trust the Democrats in this. So what had happened was that they, they had entered into this concept, this negotiating concept that— Look, we will Stop spending, we'll reduce spending And in exchange You uh, Will will
1: raise taxes it's, or something like that It's actually worse than that yeah. it, it, uh, Let me just refresh you yeah, yeah, please I, do. Okay, so The Republican convention of 1988 It's his convention speech And he's, everyone on the Republican Side is saying God, we hope this guy's not a wimp We hope he's Reagan, not George Bush, the wimp. So he says, read my lips, no new taxes, right? It's the main promise. It's like Trump saying, I'm going to be strong on the immigration issue, right. right? So Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait. Instead of like you're saying, just get the MFR out of there, just right. bomb him, it, Because there's something called the War Powers Act <laughs> right. that allows the president like 60 or 90 days, a period of time to engage okay. in a war without Congress, right? But instead of just using that, he builds a coalition like you're saying about, and he goes to Congress and asks for a declaration of war. And the Democrats control Congress, and this is why it's important to go through this. They say, sure, we'll declare war if you agree to raise taxes. And the idiot said, okay. Right. With well, an election coming up like a year
0: later. Uh, I'm talking about something else because there was – Certainly, there and was they that problem. To I to it, it was in yeah, exchange
1: the, for the. That's
0: right. The raising yeah. the taxes and the capping the spending, and he thought, okay, so so he did a unilateral raising of taxes, uh, and then of course they were nowhere, nowhere to be found. They they looked up at the sky and twiddled their thumbs like, what? Well, uh, lower spending? What? What lower spending? I'm so sorry, I don't remember that deal. So they they didn't they didn't follow through on their end either. So yeah. he had nothing. He was he was left with his proverbial, you know what, in his hands. Uh, And and having raised taxes in violating the one core principle that was part of his uh, presidency, and so that you know the the electorate punished him for that and rightfully so at the end of the day, and it didn't help at all that the uh, that there was a a a new independent um, candidate Ross Perot in the mix too, which took away a lot of the votes that would otherwise have gone to Bush, but that's partly George Bush's fault as well because. Uh, he, he created this monster where it opened up the scene for a Democrat, of course, but also for an independent candidate like Ross Perot.
1: Well, from who his said, right flank. From his right flank. Yeah. It was very weird. Leveraging the, <clears throat> the no due taxes pledge right. promise that was so, broken. And
0: then, of course, we we got Bill Clinton as as our president when he should not have won at the end of the day. And Bill Clinton won without uh, even a majority of the vote. We had no runoff election. It, it, it's, anyway, we have— Herbert Walker To blame for that As well
1: Yeah directly It's not And this isn't A conjecture thing It's an absolute Ironclad fact You can't you can't sugarcoat this and you know what are you and Barack you're burying the man how do you what better time to talk about it I, you know I want my people who disagree with me I mean I love the attention right so if you're gonna have this discussion you might as well have it at my funeral right well, yeah, where I, mean, I screwed up well to your to this your, your point
0: to your point and and I say this with great respect to the following man that I'm about to talk about uh, when Stephen Jobs died. Uh, there was already <laughs> Walter, uh, what's his name? Uh, Walter Isaacson, uh, Isaac, Sidney, uh, Isaac Yeah, Isaacson. He, he wrote the book. It's a great book, by the way. Um, very riveting book. Uh, was in the middle of the autobiography. And um, he, you know, Steve Jobs knew he was going to die within a certain amount of time. And, and uh, Isaacson said, How, you know, do you want any conditions on this book? Or is there anything I can do for you? And Steve Jobs, I'm, I'm so impressed with him. He said, give it all. Warts and all. Warts and all. Good, bad, and ugly. Just throw it all in there. I want the world to see what's what. And the book was fantastic as a result of that. You do see the warts and all. And you know what? I admire the man even more so because of all the warts. I, I understand he was an unabashed arrogant son of a bitch and a jerk. (laughs) Jerk. You know what? But he got things done and there's something brilliant about every one of these Apple products. And, and it just made him all the more human. It makes me feel not so terrible when I, when I, when I raise my voice with my wife or even my children and, you know, you know, it happens. Stuff happens. And every great man that you know, including Steven Jobs, uh, has this aspect about him and, and women too, that, you know, we're,
1: Every we're all, person, we're human.
0: We're know. this cacophony of, of positives and negatives, yeah. and that's that's the point. So now, <clears throat> when uh, George H. W. dies, you know that's what we're doing. We're talking about the good, the good and the bad, and think of it as a, um, a balance sheet, right? When somebody dies, uh, and in an estate is formed, let's say they, they look at their liabilities and their assets. It's it's going to be accounted for at some point. Oh, whoops, the liabilities are much worse than the assets. I guess it's going to be a an insolvent estate. Sorry, everybody. Okay, that's the way it is, but we have to look at the balance sheet now. He's died, okay? Look, here are the here are the assets that he had. I think he was a very Thomas. <laughs> okay, Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Clarence Thomas for sure, right? <clears throat> he did prosecute the war. He did push out Saddam Hussein. No, that's good, okay? He didn't do enough. The other day, he it only created the circumstances whereby we had to have a second Gulf War to to finish the job. Good enough for George Bush's son. Um, he uh was very loyal he had a great sense of loyalty uh, mostly to his family i think he was a great family man i think uh you know the, the relationship he had with barbara was staggeringly wonderful and beautiful uh he raised uh children that were incredibly effective and uh, you know, two governors and everyone else was successful in their and own right. And a president. And another president. Yeah,
1: nice family. Okay. <laughs> Everything we'll is nice. There. Okay. But yeah. there's that
0: word again. Nice. Okay. Right. I don't want nice. Okay. I'm, gl- I'm good for him that he's a family man, but I, and that he was a good husband. I don't give a crap about that. Where does that put f- food on my table as it were? Right. Meaning how did he help America? How does that help America that he was a decent man? That's the funny thing about it. I mean, Trump, no doubt he's had affairs. Uh, maybe two, maybe there's a couple, maybe a handful. Okay? Awesome, awesome. Right? And, and maybe he's an arrogant SOB. Awesome. Okay? But you know what? He's just like Steve Jobs in that sense, right? I still admire the hell out of Steve Jobs with all his warts and all, like you said. And why can't I do the same thing with my president, who happens to still be alive and still be president, thank God, right? I love this guy, warts and all. What I care about is—is is he bringing food to the table? And you know what? It turns out he is. I admire the hell out of that.
1: Yeah, it's a feast, and there's meat on the table too. Right, meat, and, Barack, meat. Right. And and here's the the
0: phrase that he ain't—he ain't nice. <laughs> right, he ain't right? Nice. I don't want nice out of my president. I don't want to get along and see him, you know, be buddy buddy. We saw that with Obama, right? Obama was out there trying to make nice all the time with everyone. He wanted to be the loved president. He wanted everyone to think of him as such a great guy, and especially among the Arab world and the Muslim world. And they disrespected him at the end of the day, and, and rightfully so. They don't respect niceness. They respect power. And if you're in a world where there are still undemocratic countries out there, you have a duty to not be nice. Okay? You have a duty to be forceful. You can walk softly. What is it? Um,
1: walk softly, carry a big stick.
0: Yes, talk softly and carry a big stick. Yeah,
1: okay, that's what he does. Like Trump, and talk loudly and carry a big (laughs) stick, stick. which is even better. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, look, I I have no problem with the the general, so to speak, going to the middle of the battlefield, and uh, telling the other general, look, just look behind you. Would you see all the tanks I have and the bazookas and everything else? I've got thousands of them. You're going to be just totally annihilated. And you have, you know, a horse and a sword. Okay. Yeah, your choice That's cool, I like that Okay, um, That's very effective That's the Ronald Reagan approach, by the way But, uh, you know, I don't need to sign a peace treaty with you right now Okay, how about that? I mean, I will give this to Bush the Sun When they caught Saddam Hussein uh, And out of the spider hole, remember that? So they were able to retrieve him And the first thing he says to everyone All the soldiers that are around him He looks around and he says, Okay I'm willing to negotiate, <laughs> like, and they all laughed. Like, the, the time for negotiation has way passed. So, um, that's the Ronald Reagan approach. I, I I really admire the Trump way because he is he's my guy. But you know he should be for all you Democrats out there, all you liberals, all even you lefties. He should be your guy too because he champions America. And he loves America deeply. And look at the way he speaks on behalf of America. I like it. You should like it too. But, of course, you don't like it because you have no sense of history. You have no sense of what works. And they hate America. And you but hate just, America. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. You know, which leads me to our second point, <clears throat> actually beautifully, uh, on this, uh, for this podcast. And that's the, pot, the, um, the notion that they love uh, America. They claim to love America. These the lefties and the liberals. Liars. But, in fact, they're against virtually everything our founding fathers fought uh, and stood for, right? So That's the truth. Right? Yeah. So, as an example, John Adams famously said, and he's a founding father, an armed man is a citizen. An unarmed man is a subject.
1: Right? Beautiful Oops. words. Yeah, right? Take, I mean, take your background <laughs> checks. Right. And your storage laws. Yeah.
0: So they love to quote the founding fathers. They, they seem to understand that our Constitution and our country – was was created by these founding fathers, but they don't want to live by what they actually believed and said. So, in other words, they want an America uh, that. In fact, I think they would love to change the name of America altogether. They want a different country. They just don't like this country at all. Here's another example. Um, John Adams also said, "Those who trade liberty for security have neither." Okay. So. Uh, Oops. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson said. Most bad government is from too much government. Oops. Yeah, sound like somebody that you, you and I know yeah, and Yeah, that's love? the
1: founder of the Democrat Party. So. Right. Uh.
0: Yeah. Uh, George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Oops. Oops. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jefferson said, the two enemies of the people are criminals and government. So let us tie the second one down with the chains of the Constitution so the second will not become the legalized version of the first.
1: Oops. Hear that, California? (laughs) Exactly. Robert Mueller, Justice Department FBI. (laughs) Hear that?
0: Another uh, Jefferson quote. I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. Oops. Beautiful. And, like, what, what does this do for you guys? You know, there, there are many mother, other quotes. Hamilton in Oh, particular. they
1: own slaves. Why listen to them?
0: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, and,
1: and let's quote uh, Hamilton. I want to be in the room when it happens. The room when it happens. <laughs> no, Hamilton didn't say that. He certainly didn't sing it. Man had an awful voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, uh, did you know, he spoke rap, too. You know. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, but, but but one of Hamilton's famous line is... Um, if you if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, right? And that's that's Dostoevsky. That's, that's
1: Dostoevsky, a, that's right?
0: Dostoevsky too. Uh, and it's it, beautiful phrases that are are from our founding fathers. They should know this this crap. But they don't, of course. Well they're so
1: busy being taught transgender theory in right, elementary right. school. Well yeah. they, they think that somehow
0: the founding fathers and transgenderism and the rights to you know to you know, to, to to blow up all distinctions of every kind is somehow what the founding fathers wanted, right? Including the separation of church and state, for example, which is a bunch of garbage that never happened. Oh, boy, I can't stand that. That one is a very dangerous one. That that one they actually got into our mental DNA, and made made us think that that actually is a founding uh, principle, the separation of church and state. Which is nowhere to be found in the Constitution. It doesn't nowhere.
1: It say the, gov- the federal government shall not establish a religion. That's it. But it doesn't say state and local governments can't. Right. Right? It doesn't say people can't. And it can't say government shouldn't observe God right. or acknowledge Him or be subject to His desires as written in, say, the Ten Commandments. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> right. It, it's, it says it, it's not supposed to, <clears throat> uh, you cannot establish your own federal religion so in other words we wouldn't have a church of england type thing a church of america if you want yeah that we can't do got it no problem right, because
1: that's why the pilgrims came here they were fleeing the tyranny of the england church right
0: right oops yeah well the, the, the liberal listening will say well then and then they promptly try to impose that upon everyone else which is not true but anyway we had we had quakers we had puritans we had jews we had everybody uh, under the sun here it, it actually worked exactly as the constitution had hoped but what they what 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 so many on the left want is they want to actually destroy God altogether as if, as if that was the the, the purpose of the Founding Fathers' First Amendment. And it's exactly contrary to everything that the Founding Fathers had said about the First Amendment.
1: Yeah, I want to say something really quick. I know you're in the middle of something, but let's just say they want to destroy God. Good luck with that. He's God. You're not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That hasn't worked out well for gonna, Phoenicians, gonna, huh. Egyptians, Greeks, Romans. Oh, you know,
0: but, but it turns out the Las Vegas odds on that <laughs> are uh, yeah, I think about an infinity to one uh, in favor of God. It's uh, that's a pretty good odds for, for God. Don't don't bet don't bet against God, guys. Yeah, that's you might as well not just smart. save a
1: lottery. Yeah, good luck with uh, that, too. It doesn't,
0: it doesn't turn out well. All right. So <laughs> Uh, oh, there you go, you're, you're fear-mongering you're, you're, you're operating out of fear No, we're operating out of freedom, you idiots That's, that's the, the beauty of it By the way, and I'll say this is a tangential thing And then move back to the, the concept of the Founding Fathers You know, it's very funny I, I give speeches about the First Amendment from time to time And what I say is note that the First Amendment Is both the freedom of speech And the freedom of expression of religion, right? You think to yourself well, why is that so? You know, uh, why didn't they have a, a two separate amendments? Is it because, you know, they wanted a nice round number of 10 <laughs> and not 11? Because, <laughs> so, you know, the 11, 11 amendments, that sounds a little awkward, to the Bill of Rights. We should have a nice round number of 10. And all the founding fathers said, "Ah, you know what, just squeeze the first and the second into one, and that way we'll have 10. Yeah, yeah, good job, John Hancock, or good job, George Washington, let's do that. No, it, it wasn't like that. There is a reason why. The First Amendment is both the freedom of expression and freedom of religion. You ready? Because they're actually one and the same thing. That's what they're about. They are so tied together. Now, how can I prove this to you? What is the first thing that happens that you notice in terms of people fighting for in dictatorial regimes, uh, autocratic or totalitarian regimes like the Soviet Union, and uh, fascism and, uh, you know, uh, Vietnam and all those. They those fight masters.
1: over having the power of God over others.
0: Right. But the, 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 the dissidents, they fight for the right to worship. That's what they fight for. They don't say, hey, I, I want the right to, uh, to express my grievances against uh, this parker ticket. I, I, have, I wanted the right to express my opinion about why I like this music and not that music right i want the right to uh, <clears throat> to demand more parking spaces for my commercial um, uh, building here
1: no it's always no we want the right to worship something other than you right. mister taret dictator that's why
0: that's why it's so clear the the so, the soviet dissidents that's what it's all about at the end of the day and that and the jews for that matter it's about the right to worship it's about smuggling in bibles to both christians and to to jews it, it, it's a surprise right But no one ever thinks about that. That is the first thing they demand when they ask, when they seek freedom, is the freedom to worship.
1: Right. It even applies to Muslims if you look at modern China with the Uyghur minority in the the western provinces. They're they're doing a massive re-education camp to prevent these people from worshiping. And we may have qualms with how they worship. That's not the issue here. The issue is you have a tyrannical communist government imposing strictures on worship, right that It's a, it's a concentration not want yes it's, it's
0: a little holocaust going on there. It's horrific. I mean with, uh, so anyway, but that's another story. The point is now getting back to the founding fathers, um, every notion that they have about this country, meaning they the left has about this country uh, and, and what they want out of this country is directly contrary, not just a little bit contrary, <laughs> it's directly contrary to the, to the vision and the statements direct statements from our founding fathers who said that we should have as limited government as possible, that we should not only praise God, but God should be the central focus of our government.
1: And um, our citizens' lives. And our citizens' lives. Out, how they view themselves in relation to God and how they uh, comport themselves in relationship to their fellow man. Yeah. Right?
0: That's right. Yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, and, and when, you know, part of our deal sometimes is to transfer ownership of a, of a, of a property, right? And there's an exchange of money and all those things. And then uh, they say, okay, one last thing, by the way, we're, we're not going to transfer title at all. No one's going to be the owner. You're not going to be the owner. But, but what, what, that's the whole point of the settlement, Barack. Nah, you know, a second thought. <laughs> wait a minute. The whole point of this American experiment, wait for it, <clears throat> is to have a God-infused civilization. To, to sing to the glory of God in our everyday lives and to do it without interruption from the government. That's what it's all about, and th- the freedom of expression is exactly for that purpose. And they and they don't want that,
1: <clears throat> right? They, and they want... <clears throat> also ignore the very existence reason, the existential reason for government's existence, which is to defend your God-given rights yeah. from threats. You don't have to defend something that isn't threatened, right? So, you, you know, if you're never going to be under attack and say you have godlike wisdom and know I will never be under attack, why should I have an army? Right? Yeah, Ever. Yeah, it, it, right. Assuming, stipulating that this is true. It's not, but it's true. Let's just say it is. So, government exists in the founders, you know, as the necessary evil brought into existence by the founders' construct called the Constitution to exist to protect the rights that they knew based on human nature would someday be under threat from someone. Right. Yeah. And the, they they organize the mm-hmm. government in such a way so that that government would never be able to threaten the rights there you of go. the people via that protection. There you go. Exactly right. Well, so this is And this they is forget the, and our liberal friends forget why government exists. They think it's for global warming, to pass along welfare, to redistribute, right. Know, big agenda other. items, big ticket yeah. items and, and and as we said last week,
0: it uh, it really it conflicts and has a, great, a big combative uh, push. Against the very notion of democracy itself Democracy does, and socialism cannot work together it, They may think of there such a thing as democratic socialism But it's really not, it's, it's impossible Ultimately, you will go down the, the path where you don't really have freedom You can't have freedom with socialism at the end of the day You have the pretense of it But understand that socialism and democracy are, are not mutually compatible it's, it's
1: impossible It's like having free will while being an alcoholic Good, oh, good. Uh, example. When you're, you're inebriated, you don't have free will. Yeah. That's you easy. might think you do. Right. Oh, I'm going to, I'm choosing this. No, you, <laughs> so well, much. yeah, but you might have chosen that. <clears throat> but once you've got that, you no longer have the ability to make intelligent choices on how you're conducting yourself. Yeah, your there result. you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, this is, this is the concept. So, look, to summarize it all, don't be Mr. Nice. Okay. That doesn't mean you need to be a jackass. Okay. But being nice, if that's your first order of business, people will like you, don't you worry. They'll step all over you at the same time And they'll appreciate that you've stepped all That you've let them step all over you That's why they call you Mr. Nice right? I, You know somebody once said that of me a long time ago When I was a younger, much younger adult And I said I, I don't want that appellation I, I want to be the guy That gets things done In a polite way, respectful way But I, the first adjective That you, you want to say of, of my president or, or for me It's not nice, I don't want that I want effective, I want a good guy, one who fights for God, absolutely. You bet. But nice, Ooh, that's the death now. Out. <laughs> it won't be that one. Right. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.